Hello, welcome to another episode of Seen Any Good Films Lately? I'm Jason Solomons, your host for this podcast that dives into film recommendations and reviews by journeying with the filmmakers and stars to find out what they've seen and why they love it. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It just takes you on this journey and it's it's just full of emotion. Facing the Sagful 10 this week is filmmaker Lisa Rovner, whose documentary film Sisters with Transistors is streaming in the UK right now and which rediscovers the pioneering women who invented electronic music. Yeah, stuff like this. our very own Delia Derbyshire with a BBC radiophonic workshop and the Doctor Who theme. Used to scare the life out of me, that one. Used to call it Sea Bells. I don't know why, but that's what I called it. Sea Bells. And I'd shout Sea Bells and run and hide behind my grandpa's sofa every Saturday evening after the football results and the wrestling when Doctor Who came on. Oh, spooks me even now. So memories and music are what we're looking at with Lisa Rovner and the films that have inspired her along the way. So listen out for those recommendations, classic and new. Listen out too for Jason's three to see at the end of the show. And before we hear my interview with Lisa, let me tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Well, it's the Oscars in L.A. on Sunday night. I'll be on the BBC on Monday morning, BBC News, looking at the results and how the show has unfolded the night before. So do join me at 9.30 in the morning, UK time. But before that, let me just see if I can get some predictions, right? Have you done yours yet? Why don't you fill them in and email them to me, sagful at jasonsolomons.com, so you've got them down, and we can test how right you got them. You can do them all, if you like, 23, 24 categories, see how many you get. I'm going to go, just do some of the main categories here, so that I'm on the record. <laughs> I'm going for actor, Anthony Hopkins. Yep, over Chadwick Boseman. I know he's the sentimental choice, but if you see Anthony Hopkins in The Father, it is just unstoppable. Actress, Viola Davis, I'm going for, again, you know, it could be Andrew Day. I'd love that for Billie Holiday. It could be Harry Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. And I'd love that too. Tough category, the actress this year. Supporting actor, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. He's in. I'm going for supporting actress, Yu Jung Yun as the grandma in Minari. Again, a very tough category to choose, but I think she's got it this year. Just about, I would say. It's not a nailed on category at all, but I'm going for her in this one. Animated film, Soul, the Pixar Disney one. I think that's got it wrapped up. We had the guest Dana Murray on, the producer of that. But I'd quite like to see an upset for Wolfwalkers or for Ardman's Shaun the Sheep movie, Armageddon, which um, I didn't know was not was even in the running, but it got a nomination. Uh, screenplays adapted The Father, uh, Florian Zeller and Christopher Hampton adapting Florian's play. Uh, and for the original, Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago 7. I think that's where it's going to get its win. Cinematography, I think, will be Manx's only win out of its 10 nominations. I can't see it winning anywhere else. Uh, collective, I think, will win the documentary category. Please, over my octopus teacher. Please, come on. 
And in the international feature, as it's called these days, the Danish film Another Round, with Mads Mikkelsen getting drunk with his teaching mates throughout the day to improve their performance. It's a sort of knockabout horsing around comedy, um, and, you know, it's got a lot of social elements in it too in that very Scandinavian way. So I think that's going to carry the day. You can also see it being remade into a Hollywood movie. So I think, you know, that's why it'll win. Uh, Director, uh, a great category this year. I'm going to go Chloe Zhao, who directed Nomadland. And no one's going to kind of protest against that. She's a smart, uh, young uh, Chinese-American filmmaker. Uh, she's great. Uh, and she's got a style all of her own in very few films that she's done so broadly. So, yes, I'm happy with that. Best film, though. Best film. Well, obviously, Nomadland is the favourite. It has been since the Venice Film Festival last September. And it's been a fait accompli. It's been like, yeah, Nomad's not going to win. It's fine. And no one's said anything against it. But no one's going to me, God, yeah, I saw Nomad. And yeah, that's great, isn't it? I've just not got a single iota of buzz from it. It's won a few of the sort of other awards along the way, including the BAFTAs, as well as Frances McDormand for Actress. And I, I'm just not seeing anyone going, oh, isn't she great? That's not where the conversation is this year. And not that there's much conversation because we're not out and about, but my feeling is that Nomadland hasn't got quite enough to get over the line as a winner. So I'm, and you know, personally, I prefer The Father, Sound of Metal, Judas and the Black Messiah, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Trial of the Chicago 7, then Nomadland, then Mank in the eight nominees for Best Picture, which incidentally, I think all of them, as you've seen, will, will get a prize in some way this year, Sound of Metal, perhaps for sound design, for example. So, oof. Is Nomadland going to go? Look, the, the way that the Oscars are going, we have surprises quite regularly now. Moonlight over at La La Land. Who could forget that? Green Book triumphing over Roma. It was a surprise. It was a disappointment. But they couldn't quite go for Roma, could they? Parasite triumphing over 1917. A full-on shock. Not a surprise. Spotlight beating The Revenant. Do you remember that? The Revenant was going to be the one. It won all the BAFTAs. So... <laughs> Spotlight did it at the end. So I think front runners fall at the Oscars. I know they're very confident about Nomadland to the point that it's coming out actually to watch on streaming around the world next uh, week, April the 30th. So it wins the Oscar this Sunday night. And then next week, hello, what coincidence, you can see it on Disney+. Plus. I feel a cold hand of political chicanery in there. And I don't like it. I don't like that feeling one little bit. So I'm going to say Promising Young Woman can pull off the big surprise. It's the hot button topic. People watch that movie and go, I loved that. That was great. I feel the same. I don't feel the same energy watching Nomadland. So promising young woman to pull off a massive surprise for its debut director, Emerald Fennell, and for Kerry Mulligan. And I wouldn't be upset one little bit. So watch the Oscars on Sky Cinema Sunday night, or you can go one off and stream them on the Now streaming service. And email me with those predictions, sagful at jasonsolomons.com. You've heard mine. What are yours? Are you guys going to stop ever? Are you going to keep dancing forever? I'm keep dancing forever, me. <laughs> well, at least till I remember where I put my car. This is the story of women who hear music in their heads, of radical sounds where there was once silence, of dreams enabled by technology. Technology is a tremendous liberator. It blows up power structures. Women are naturally drawn to electronic music. 
You didn't have to be accepted by any of the male-dominated resources, the radio stations, the record companies, the concert hall venues, the funding organizations. You could make something with electronics and you can present music directly to your audience. And that gives you tremendous freedom. But somehow women get forgotten from the history. Lisa Rovner is the female filmmaker who's shone a new light on the women who pioneered electronic music in her film Sisters with Transistors. Names such as Delia Derbyshire, Suzanne Chiani, Eliane Radig, Wendy Carlos, Laurie Spiegel. They're part of the counterculture and experimenter of the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s in New York, Greenwich Village, San Francisco, a uh, bit of Paris, bit of London and the BBC. Some of the names you might know, others you've never heard of, but their musical legacy through experimentation and knob twiddling have become the ambient sounds of our modern life. <laughs> So from games to adverts to movie scores and phone ringtones, the sounds of radiophonics are elemental and everywhere. I caught up with Lisa Rovner, who joined me from her home in London, just around the corner from me, we found out on the Zoom. But, you know, that's still where we're, still where we're at. Uh, so she joined me for the Sagful interview, which, as ever, is brought to us by our friends at Strike, the distilled non-alcoholic drink with all the spirit, none of the alcohol. Let's give Strike a little electro bleep. Ooh, there you go. So, with the support of Strike, I got Lisa Rovner to talk about her life in and through films, how she got Laurie Anderson to narrate her movie, and we started by talking about discovering all these wonderful women. I wonder, did she know any of them before making Sisters with Transistors? I didn't know about all of them before I started the project. Um, I had kind of, yeah, I discovered this timeline of female pioneers in electronic music. And as I began to look into these women with these machines, the the, the photographs and and discovering their sound, and I I realized that they were amongst the, the greatest pioneers of modern sound. I was compelled to break the silence that surrounded their stories. I I love the sort of juxtaposition in your images, in your archive images of these women faced with these, all these kind of monstrosity of machines. It's seems part of the challenge to kind of elicit beauty out of this out of this lumpen mess of bakelite and metal what i uncovered um, in the film is just the, the the passion that they had for the, for these machines and getting their heads around them and 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 playing around with sound in general do you think that they were in love with these machines they they they, they, they fondled them they it's a it's almost a sort of love relationship that they have with this machine that that society is not giving them the love they need. Men aren't giving them perhaps the recognition they need, but these machines respond to their female touch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Suzanne Chani talks about it being, you know, a sensual machine. And yeah, she talks about it being warm, being alive, being responsive with all the little lights, kind of the bupa lights kind of reacting and um, communicating. So why, why were women particularly successful in this genre and I know you you say because they could disrupt because there were sort of no rules and you know the established hierarchies and patriarchies could easily be be smashed by it because it was so new but I felt that there was something else the sounds feel very they're sexy they're sexy sounds electronic sounds what I get from 
the interviews that I found and the interviews that I was able to do for the film was that, yeah, they, it was, of course it was a disruptive nature of, of the technology, but it was also just the love of the sound um, that really kind of hooked these women and got them passionate about working in it with electronics. Was it difficult to piece this together or did it come very naturally to see that actually, yes, you know, sometimes you, you, you squeeze a thesis, you know, you kind of, you, know, you, you have the idea and you think, oh, I'll try and kind of find another, let's say, another female pioneer. So I've got my set, but you seem to have no trouble coming up with like another one and another one and another one. This is a, this is a definite thing that had been buried for too long, right? I, I didn't know about these women. You know, when I think about why these women have been left out of history, I really feel like it's a storytelling problem. It's the way that we tell stories that has kind of written these women out. So I was thinking so much about like, why have these women been left out? They were obviously filmed and recorded and interviewed in, in you know, at the, at, at the time. So why is it that they've kind of been left out of the canon? And why is it that a young woman like myself doesn't know or hadn't really heard of any of them? And yeah, so it was really important to me in, 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 in the construction of, of, the, of the form of the film that we kind of break with these traditional storytelling devices as much as it can, because I'm also interested in good storytelling, that it be radical or as radical as, as the sounds that, that these women were making and that the filmmaking really reflect the subject. Well, I think you achieved that. And in fact, you have got a great narrator, in fact, in Laurie Anderson. How did you get Laurie Anderson involved? What was her reaction to the, to the project? Did she know about this beforehand and, and say, yes, I'm on board? You know, it was, it was kind of a tricky one because obviously Laurie is, in my mind, very much a pioneer of electronic music. But perhaps, I guess, the reason why I chose to ask her to do the narration rather than be one of the subjects is that didn't quite feel like she was unsung, although I do think that she could be more sung. I knew about Laurie as a kid and as a young artist, I was always, as a young artist wanting to work, wanting to make political art or political films, I always look to her as a good example of how to do that in the sense that she talks about politics, but in this really disarming way. And, and she uses like art and entertainment and the avant-garde in a way that's really accessible for people, in a way that's digestible. And um, her work is so strong and so political, yet so accessible. Did you come to it from from a music point of view is that you that old raver in the uh, in 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 the car park is that where you yeah discovered it is it? actually that, that was actually you <laughs> no it's not actually <laughs> but <laughs> could have been could have been me too so you know uh, definitely wouldn't you. have been driving home that night that's for sure <laughs> i don't think um, that girl was either eventually <laughs> it took her a while <laughs> but yeah um yeah i came to 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 electronic music definitely um in that in that way you know really it's interesting because what I love about this story is just this, that it's like an emancipation story. And I definitely feel as a young person discovering like dancing to electronic music, you know, there was no right way to dance. There was no, it was so open. And um, I definitely feel personally that I, I've never felt so free than when I'm dancing. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait to go dancing. Oh, I know. It's, it's just been awful to miss it. I have done a few on the Heath, actually, on Hampstead Heath over the summer, oh. but it's been a long time. Listen, before you can do that, we I mean, we love dancing, but we also love films, of course. So I'm going to ask you uh, if you've seen any good films lately, Lisa Rovner. Um, I recently rewatched Love is the Message, which is a beautiful film. I also saw... What's Love is the Message? Love is the Message is a film by Arthur Jaffa. Love is the Message. The Message is Death by Arthur Jaffa. 
beautiful sounding film. And why should I watch that? Because I don't know that one. It's painful to watch, mm. um, but it's it's all archive and it's the story of the black experience in America. Oh gosh, and I need to see this. I need to see this. I'm looking at it now as you're telling me. That sounds extraordinary. It's uh, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It, it just takes you on this journey and it's it's just f- full of emotion. It's just how to, like, I just feel like it's it's just someone trying to make sense of the world. It's necessary viewing. Mm. I, that just sounds extraordinary. Can, can can I see it? It seems like it's an art piece that, you know, I have to go to the Serpentine or something to see it, or is it more ambiently available? I feel like it might be on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's a very interesting artist. I, yeah, I come kind of more from the art world. So a lot of my references are, are art films. But, well, we um, love that. It's so nice to have that. It's so, I mean, I think film, you know, people forget about you know, the, the popcorn movies, which we love too, but you know, that, that, that film has such a sort of power in other realms. And that's why I love it too, because it speaks to music and it speaks to art and it speaks to architecture and, you know, all of these diff- different things and the camera picks up on them. And I think that's a, a, a I'm, I'm loving that recommendation of Love is the Message uh, because I didn't know it. I really loved um, the portrait of a young lady on fire. Do you know what? That came to mind. I was going to mention it earlier when you were talking about uh, female music because it tells the same story, but with art, really. You could have done it with, you know, female musicians who are unrecognized. That one does it as well. I love that film. There's a really great BAFTA interview with her, with the director who's talking about how she kind of writes and her process. And I love that she talks about kind of starting with desire. And she's obviously a very, um, she was trained classically as a screenwriter. So she's very adept at screenwriting. But I just love that her writing is just more about the the beginning of of her processes is really led by desire rather than structure and and so it's just like a, she starts out just by like writing like sentences, images, senses, sounds. But yeah, I think that 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 film for me really resonated and, and really spoke to kind of what I want to do next. Yeah, I, well, it, I think it's in what you did just now in, in Sisters with Transistors. It's 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 there. I, that's why I, I must have nailed it, because I felt that there was desire when I talk about the, the way that the relationship between these women and their machines had a very... You know, desire-based impulse for me. I think that Celine Schiama filtered into your work there already. <laughs> Lisa, what was the first film you saw at the cinema? I was kind of thinking about it. I think it may have been Batman with the Prince soundtrack. Oh, oh. wow. <laughs> I think that's the only kind of film that I would have, you know, I, I was trying to remember. I mean, I remember the first film that I remember, which is Desperately Seeking Susan, which is a bit of a weird one. That's a fantastic um, one. But it's it was on television and I was really, really young. And I remember the way it made me feel and the way, I mean, I just, you know, I was really into Madonna at the time. Who wasn't? And um, there was just, I love that film. And then, I, yeah, I watched it again as an adult and just, wow, I just, it's such a good film. What did it make you feel? Was it some sort of uh, fem- female friendship thing? Because you mentioned that earlier. That no, you'd... it was like a, I don't know. It was just so cool. Like mm. I just, you know, I just, you know, after that, I remember like, you know, like writing on the back of my friend's back or, you know, these, <laughs> like there's just all these little things that, that, that they did. Um but yeah, they kind of just, it just epitomized like the kind of mysterious, I don't know, just so much about the, those characters that I love. Jerry Glass, right? Yeah, how did you know? Wild well, yeah. She spit on you, huh? Yeah. 
two days ago. Well, did she ever split on you before? No, no, of course not. Is she into drugs? Drugs? Roberta? She's never smoked a joint in her whole life. She's probably the straightest person in Fort Lee. Uh-huh. What are you driving at? Want something to drink? Um, no, thanks. I, I'm on this health program, you know? No, uh, no alcohol, no sugar. You want to dance? I love that. I love that choice. And I love your Batman choice as well. An underrated soundtrack is that Batman Batman <laughs> soundtrack. One of the best, I think. Uh, is there a film that changed your life, Lisa Rovner, that you saw and went, oh, that this is what I need to do? Yeah. Chunking Express. Wong Kar Wai. Yeah. I saw that in college and um, I didn't study film. I didn't think of myself as a filmmaker. I didn't think of myself as an artist. I studied political science. I was a very academic kind of kid. And I kind of made friends with this group of artists in Montreal. I went to McGill and they exposed me to cinema, um, not movies, but cinema. Mm. And um, I just remember watching Chongqing Express and thinking I could do that. These are my friends. Like I just felt so close to his aesthetic, his fascinations and just the characters. I felt like they were, yeah, they were my friends. It's such a beautiful choice of film. And also such the a beautiful... music, yes. you know, just, you know, the way, and I just, I absolutely love, yeah, I love everything about that film. On the streets of Hong Kong, a mysterious woman a young cop and an innocent dreamer are about to meet where mystery and romance collide. Did you watch a film for inspiration for Sisters with Transistors? What are the, what are the sort of touchstones that you, you might have used aesthetically yeah. or thematically? I definitely watched a lot of archive documentaries because that was kind of what I was hoping to do. And I really loved the way I found one of the editors, Michael, um, was through his work editing concerning violence the Goran Olsen documentary wow also, I've never seen that one yeah but it, it's it... really really strong and also Arcadia Arcadia a, a film that came out um about the relationship to British people and their land it's so beautiful it's um came out I think maybe like two three years ago oh good this is good this is good coming from the arts the art side because I don't know Arcadia it's really, really good. It's all archived. There's very little dialogue. And it's just this juxtaposition of the director went through and kind of picked out a bunch of archive from the BFI, I think, mm. and created this incredible kind of meditative um, film on the relationship that British people have to the land. And it's just, it's so Paul, good. By, by Paul Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, with music by Will Gregory and Adrian Utley. So the music must be great in that too. And executive produced by Mary Burke, who I notice is, gets a credit on yours, gets a thank you on yours. So there's, yes. a, there's, a, there's a connection there. I must see Arcadia. I cannot believe I haven't seen Arcadia. You're coming out with them, Lisa. You're really coming out with them here today. This is great oh, stuff. <laughs> thank you. It's really something you, if you can, you want to watch with like headphones and like a big screen. And it's really, there's not much story so it's it's very much more of a kind of journey i'm gonna um, i want to dive in you know i'm programming the cinema tent at a, a festival this summer uh the green man festival and oh, that, that's, that sounds like a an experience we need to have quite late that's at a night. great idea that's a good one for that 
definitely. Great. Maybe you can come along as well because Sisters with Transistors is also something we should be showing and you can come along. Oh, I'd love that so That would be great. Let's do that. When is that? Uh, Mid-August. Oh, yes. Hopefully, yes. We can, yes. And we don't need a car. We can dance in a field and we don't need a car. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If I could give you the power of time travel, Lisa Rovner, and you could visit a film set, which one would you go to? Well... I always really wish that I had been in that party scene at breakfast at Tiffany's. I think it's one of the best party scenes ever filmed. Yeah. I just wish I was at that party. Oh yes. You'd be great. Would you have a cigarette holder? Definitely have a cigarette holder that I would be ashing on someone's head. I mean, it's just like, it's so genius. It's so, I love comedy. And um, I think that's one of the funniest scenes like, uh, I just love everything about that that scene. How brilliant. How funny, because I'm talking to um, a filmmaker, Lisa Imodino Vreeland, who's made a film about Truman Capote and, and Tennessee Williams. Uh, and in her film, there's a clip of that party scene as it happens. So it's very <sighs> fresh in my mind. Not the whole scene, because it's beautiful. I mean, the, the direction of that scene is amazing because the camera manages to sort of almost be a guest at the party, which is just the, the key thing. Party. Who are all these people, anyhow? Who knows? The word gets out. You don't mind, do you, darling? Have you ever fallen in love at the movies, Lisa? definitely fall in love with characters yeah. but um i haven't fallen in love with um and directors mm. um, and writers and i mean it's an open-ended question you are allowed if you fall in love with your lover that's that's fine too but i think we fall in love with characters quite often don't we yeah definitely who did you fall in love with well i think as a young person i really fell in love with uh, kind of all of anna karina's roles in the godard films yeah. i just felt like um it's funny now when i watch them with everything that's changed the world has changed so much from when I was in my early 20s and kind of first discovering Godard. But um, yeah, there was just something just so free and um, and emotional about her. And I love that he, you know, would film her crying on screen. I was crying a lot at the time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, there's just, I feel like I, I actually went on a pilgrimage to, um, to find Jean-Luc Godard in Switzerland. And I kind of stalked him and it was a bit strange now thinking about it. You Um, found him? You did it? Yeah. Yeah. I shared with him this text, Images Understand Us, which is an art text. And it's about, yeah, just, I just felt like the images that I saw in his film made me feel better about who I was, how I was feeling. Yeah. Anyways, it was a bit strange. I, I kind of, yeah, I stalked him. I knew where I like had a Swiss friend. I went down and stayed with my Swiss friend and we kind of we were like waiting because he always does the same thing. He always goes and buys his cigars and, you know, he's got this kind of, so I kind of waited and I like waited for him to come out of the cigars. And then I kind of, you know, ran up behind him. I think he was a bit startled. But yeah, I gave him, um, I gave him like a letter and um, never heard back from him. <laughs> 
But um, in a way, that's enough. I think your little moment. Yeah, I needed to do it, and also to break my spell with you know, you know how sometimes when you're young, you just think, oh, these people are just the best in the world, and then you realize they're actually just really they're just like you. And there they are going and getting a coffee and you know shuffling out of a house like an old man. in exactly. switzerland yeah, yeah there's a very sad bit i don't know if you've seen agnes varda's um i think it's is it faces in places which agnes varda film is it that she goes to see godard she talks about her relationship with him and she goes to his house in godard in switzerland that house it's quite an un- unpossessing little house uh, and it, it's a rather sad sort of moment but i don't think he answers the door to her he sort of ignores agnes poor thing i yeah. think it's in faces and places Amazing. well the thing is is that like i mean yeah i guess he's just kind of turned inwards or whatever but I kind of had fantasies that he would you know I don't know I just I really yeah but he would stick you in his movie and put you in a Breton stripe and make you sell the the New York Herald Tribune down the Champs-Élysées exactly or that we could have like an intellectual conversation about film or, you know. yes and they'd say adieu à langage you know <laughs> you could exactly <laughs> But no, <laughs> no. Uh, but you yeah, know, I, I think it, it's a great story. I've never heard anyone do that. I think that's magnificent. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of do, embarrassed by it now, but no, I love it. I'm glad you've told me. Thank you very much indeed. What's what's your favourite cinema? I mean, all the all the all the best place you've ever watched a movie. I really love the Max Linder in Paris, where I, I used to live around the corner from there. It's a really beautiful old cinema. I love the Rio here in in London because it's my local in Dalston. Um, yeah. Yeah, in Dalston. And um, yeah, it feels it feels both of those places have this you you feel like it's special. You know, you I think you do, kind of... especially the, the Max Linder I've been to as well. Beautiful, beautiful cinema. But you also get the feeling that so many people have watched films there before you. Yes, so you exactly. get the ghosts or the palimpsest of whatever it was of, of people, you know, all the things that you mentioned about falling in love and having films change your life. It's happened to so many people in that room that the power of those rooms is really, really strong when you go in them. Yeah, exactly. I, I really love the film Wings of Desire. It's one of my favorite films. And yeah, I can just imagine like what you were just saying, like the ghosts kind of there sitting by you thinking, you know, how they, they have, they come to people who are like in emotional strife and they kind of just, you know, help them relax. And, and I, yeah, I, I definitely went to that cinema a lot alone. Mm. And um, and just yeah, cried my eyes out at different films and at what was going on in my life. And oh, you're that person yeah. that in 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 the the montage of the power of cinema when we turn the camera on the audience off the screen. You're the you're that beautiful face we see with the single tear running down it. You are that you are that person. That's fantastic. I am that person. I cry a lot in cinema. I think it's just for me. It's just this way of releasing all of this anxiety and sadness and. Especially, I mean, I'm I'm less sad now, but as a young person, I was I was pretty I was a pretty sad or melancholic. It's not really sad, but yeah, just had a lot of um, difficult stuff. And um, cinema really allowed me to express that. Like, it's okay to cry in a cinema. You know, it's, 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 it's de rigueur. It's, it's required. Than, than in <laughs> Falling in love and, and then crying are required in the cinema. You get, you get to do the whole gamut of emotions in two hours and then you're done. That's what's great about it. What was the last film that you cried? Oh, the last film that I cried. I must have cried quite recently in a film. Oh, this is a good question. I'm wondering if I cry as well at home because we've been stuck at home watching movies, even me, for the last year. Do I cry as well at, at home as I do in the cinema? 
because at home I'm often with my wife and something. So we, we do we cry? Do I cry or did I cry in the cinema most recently? I think I might have cried in. I think I might have cried in normal people. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> that I was did. like. Yeah. Again, like just you just remember so much what it felt like. No, I think that's it's like such a transporting piece of. I was eight, eighteen, nineteen again, and you know, yeah. with that first love thing and not sorting it out, and yes, so this I definitely cried in normal people. So I guess that's about a year ago now, but um, I must have cried in some films since. But I I do prefer the dark in which to cry. You know, I'm quite happy to do it. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm I, if I must tell you, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, I tell you, what, a film that really affected me in, in that way uh, was um, County Lines, which is not a sad, particularly sad film, but it's a British film um, that I thoroughly recommend. It's very hardcore in that British social realist way. But the relationship with the son and his mum made me cry. And I saw that mm-hmm. not that long ago. And that, that made me cry. When the son turns on his mum, that made me cry. Because uh, it's set not far from where we both live, and I understood some of the locations, and I could, I just sort of saw my son in this. Not, not thank God, not yet, but I could see this could happen to my son, and I just it, it, it almost destroyed me that film, to be honest. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, I, I I recently watched the Crip Camp. Did you see that? Documentary? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, there was a lot of crying, but it was there's like different ways of crying. You know, there's like the sad crying, but then there's the happy crying. You know, this kind of, and so I just felt like my emotions were so brought to the surface. Did you want people to cry watching uh, Transistors? Not really. Um, It's funny, I had a conversation the other day and the woman was saying, yeah, it really made me cry. And I was like, wow, okay. I mean, the last scene definitely made me cry. I think so. That the, The coda is reflective and wistful and the pigeons (laughs) who's feeding the pigeons laurie spiegel that's laurie spiegel i thought that was tender and poignant and yeah i could have cried yeah there was there was something about you know the metaphor of like an older bird feeding a young you know the all these birds and that they thanks to that food or nourishment or care yes and i think there's something poignant in seeing the juxtaposition between young uh, young and hopeful or whatever young and you know just just seeing someone later seeing their their youthful self and then recognizing them in their older self I think that process maybe it's because I'm older I feel I think that is always a, a a kind of nostalgic and 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 powerful moment impactful isn't it to see someone aged yeah definitely. And, ho- and hopefully either having fulfilled their dream or not having fulfilled their dream I think something powerful in that wonderful stuff I'm just going to finish with one more yeah. Uh, Lisa, what's your favourite film location? I mean, either that you've shot in yourself or that you, you've seen used on screen and thought, oh, I've got to go there. This is a bit of a weird one. I was thinking about where, I was thinking about that and I think I would love to be underwater with the octopus. Um... <laughs> Not my octopus teacher? Yeah. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. And I just, yeah. Did you love that um, film? You know what? It's not like, uh, yeah, I did really like it. I really liked it. But it's, it's not a film that's like changed my life or, you know, like some of the other things that we talked about. Mm. But yeah, I thought it was a... I See, it was... I'm developing a theory because I didn't like it at all. 
Uh, oh really? When I first saw it, and then, and it's won the BAFTA for best documentary. So I'm I, I I was a bit dismissive of it. I thought there's you know it's unscientific and it's sort of rather sort of silly documentary. And obviously it's gone on and had this life, and people have loved it, and more and more people have come on the show and they've loved it. And my I, I, this is a terribly rough kind of um, poll that I've taken. I think that it's a film that appeals far more to women than it does to men. All the women that I've spoken to about it love it. Mm. And the men have been a bit like, uh, nonsense. So I, and I, I, I have not worked out why that might be. I know it's produced or directed by uh, a female team. Pippa Ehrlich is a, is, is a female producer and thinks she was very instrumental in making it. So I think there's a, a, a connection somehow that appeals female. And I, I hate making gender divides on that, but it, it, this one has struck me as to why I might have got this wrong is really why I'm sort of re-revising my opinion about it from a different perspective because I, I missed something clearly because it's gone on yeah. for, to, to, to have such this sort of uh, appeal to so many people. So I think that, you know, when, whenever that happens, I think, mm, hold on, wh- wh- why is that? Not, I'm not, I not never make a critical climb down and sort of say, no, I got it wrong. But I like to see why why the tentacles have kind of caressed so many hearts yeah i don't know i think it's just um i guess i'm just in love with the natural world and i don't know it was just really just fell in love with that little octopus i don't know (laughs) but again it's not something that i would say is in any way kind of gonna affect my filmmaking it was just like a a pleasurable experience sure i mean you want to be in a kelp forest who wouldn't want to be in a kelp forest exactly it's just yeah and in South Africa as well, it looks that does look that looks like one of the best bits about South Africa going under the water and getting wow. on, getting onto there. I've never been totally. to South Africa, but there you go, um, Lisa Romner. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about your love of cinema and my love of your film, Sisters with Transistors. So I'm glad it's a two way thing. Um, yeah, really yeah, lovely to you. meet you properly. And yeah, um, thank you so much for the great my, interview and the great questions. My and... pleasure. Thanks for the great answers. Great choices from Lisa Rovna. Great memories of watching films and Sisters with Transistors is bleeping and crunching and scrunching on modernfilms.com right now. Go there to find where you want to see it and you can even support your local currently closed cinema by doing so. So there's just time for a little elongated Jason's Three to See. Do catch up with Promising Young Woman on Now or on Sky Cinema because it's the one we're all talking about. For me, it's the must-see of Oscar season 2021. Have you seen Collective yet? The Romanian documentary about the political and social fallout from a deadly nightclub fire in Bucharest. It's about how an investigative journalist team from a sports newspaper of all places followed leads to uncover corruption all over the city. It's stunning stuff, gripping stuff. And you can find it streaming on Amazon, Curzon, Dogworth, BFI Player, Rakuten. It's proper spellbinding doc making. And why not try the short category, which always trips up Oscar predictors because they haven't seen them and they don't really know the full ones. Uh, I'm telling you, in the live action short category, you can find Two Distant Strangers and The Present on Netflix, and both are worth your time. The former, Two Distant Strangers, is a Groundhog Day riff on the black experience, where a young man keeps getting shot by police every day, repeatedly, repeatedly, after a one-night stand. So that's a very interesting, almost comic take on a terrible situation. 
And the latter film, The Present, which won at the BAFTAs, is a story of a Palestinian family living in occupied times. My feeling is that the searing relevance and I suppose the wit of Two Distant Strangers with its dedication to the many black lives lost has the momentum in these politically charged weeks in the US. Voters obviously fired up by the George Floyd, Derek Chauvin guilty verdict. So I think that might just have the momentum to win in the uh, the, the short category at the Oscars. Have a look at that one, Two Distant Strangers. So that's Promising Young Woman collective and two distant strangers are my three to see and that's it for today thanks to my guest lisa rovin for her wonderful film memories and her recommendations do check out her film sisters with transistors on modernfilms.com and thanks to our partners at strike that's s-t-r-y-y-k for their continued support as we head with them into the summer season and the grand reopening of cinemas i can't wait to have a drink and a chat in a cinema foyer before and after the movie that's what we go to the movies for let's do it may the 17th still the big date ahead so let's play out with something more from the promising young woman's soundtrack it's anthony willis's version of the britney classic toxic good luck sunday night at the oscars see you next week to see how your predictions went and mine bye (laughs) 